Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and Bulldog fans everywhere. I would like to personally welcome you back to the Hell State Shockwave. Glad to have you all here with us tonight. Got a lot to talk about. Um, a whole lot's been going on since we last spoke. Uh, we actually tried to get with y'all earlier this week and then had some technical difficulties that prevented that. So uh, we're getting back to you now, though. Of course, as always, I'm your co-host, Colton Watson. And that's actually it tonight. Um, Gavin and I, our schedules are not going to be able to mix very well to where we can uh, get this show out to you before the end of the week. So we, we would have liked to have this out for you even earlier, but we, you know, we tried to see if we can get, make that connection. We just couldn't. So like I alluded to in a couple previous shows, we are, are willing to start doing solo shows just to make sure that we don't, you know, go through these periods where you don't hear from us very often. And that's what we're trying to do now. Um, so for tonight, I'm just going to go back to the last time we talked and just move our way forward and just kind of break down a ton of stuff happening across, um, especially men's, women's basketball and football. And of course, a little bit about baseball, which won't get to talk about baseball a ton tonight, but it's coming. All right. We've got less than, less than three weeks. We've actually got, I think two weeks in a, in a day or two until the first pitch of a, a duty noble field on, on Valentine's day this year. Very, very excited about that. Could not be more thrilled. Um, for those of you that know me, those of you that listen to the show from the beginning, you know I love baseball. Um, Talking about, at first, we're going to discuss women's basketball because our ladies have been really, really impressive um, the last week or so. So when we last spoke, they were about to play South Carolina, a game that I, I figured being in Columbia, South Carolina, the number one team at the time, we were the 10th ranked team. I was not sure how we were going to do and wasn't too confident that we were going to get the win. Um, but guys, we absolutely should have won. Absolutely should have won. Uh, uh, Jalen Mingo Young and Aliyah Matharu, freshman off the bench, provided amazing sparks. I think Aliyah Matharu scored 10 points in a row um, there in the third quarter. Absolutely outstanding. Um, we had a huge trouble and hardly any paint scoring at all because of our bigs were in foul trouble. And despite that, we managed to have a nine-point lead in the fourth quarter and lose a game by two that was ripe with questionable calls. And just SEC officiating in basketball these days is just atrocious. And men's basketball has actually been a lot better than last year. Still need, could improve, but better than last year. Um, in fact, I think the worst officiated game we've had all year was that game uh, in the during the uh, SEC Big 12 Challenge. And I don't think those are SEC refs for the men's. But for the women, um, it's been pretty rough. So uh, have a very, very close game against South Carolina. And, you know... We've moved on from that a little bit since, uh, since you know, I haven't, didn't get to talk to about that immediately after it happened. But I would just like to point out how a two-point loss to the number one team where you had a big lead uh, on the road just tells the United States, tells, um, tells everybody in the country that, we're, that we don't do rebuilding years. And I've, told, I've already made this known on several of our little, uh, my opinion on this, on several of our message boards and to some of my colleagues and friends and stuff like that. Women's basketball doesn't have rebuilding years anymore. Um, that's they they are here this year. They're ahead of schedule. They've got mostly freshmen and sophomores going out there and absolutely on a neutral side or at, or at home would have would have beat South Carolina probably handily if I had to guess. Um, in fact, and in fact, I think if you have a fairer officiating staff, uh, you do win beat South Carolina in uh in Columbia. They love to be obsessed with Mississippi State and talk about you know just how awful we are in, in us and everything and it's kind of funny 
I think they feel like that's a symptom of they haven't had much to cheer for it at all except for women's basketball. Because we, we talk about South Carolina, but not so much. We don't make it personal. We don't go after their players too bad. I guess we did kind of didn't like Asia Wilson, but we don't really have to go after them that bad, and especially not year-round the way that they do. Um, and I think it's because, you know, we've got to watch football teams go to bowl games consistently. We've got to watch one of the best baseball teams in the country the last few years. Not that South Carolina didn't have those things, you know, five or ten years ago, but just nowadays it's just not the case anymore. Um, in fact, their baseball team was amongst the worst in the SEC and the fact that we didn't sweep them this year was just dreadful. Uh, I got to watch all three of those games with my parents and sitting on a Sunday and watching the game that we didn't win when we really needed it was kind of sad, but it all worked out. We made it to Omaha anyway. Um, of course, I keep have to bring everything back to baseball. Y'all know I'm excited about that, if you can't tell. I, uh, but then the women, the next later that week on Thursday, they traveled to Nashville to play Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt's a lot better than they have been in years past. They've been consistently the last two or three years one of the worst teams in the SEC as far as the women's side of things go. But they got 12 or 13 wins at this point, and they put us put up a little bit tougher of a fight than we expected. I wonder if that youth on our team coming off a huge game in Columbia kind of set us back a little bit. But uh, we got a, a good, a handy, a pretty handy win. I'm going to pull up that game. Actually, I don't want to misquote you on anything related to that game because I did not get to watch that game. I was, of course, y'all know, busy college student. I don't get to pay as close attention to these things as I would like to. So I'm going to pull that up. My thing decides it would like to glitch out now. Um, we won. I'm going to pull it up right here. Wow, it's not pumped coming. Uh, I misspelled a word. So we won that game in um, in Nashville, 68-52. We went on a 22-2 run at the end of the game where Vic Schaefer, and this is, again, keeping Vic Schaefer in a coaching cycle that included the loss of, a ten- the, uh, loss of the head coach at Tennessee, okay, which is one of the greatest women's programs of all time, was absolutely just one of the most underrated moves by John Cohen that he's that he made the past couple years as athletic director. If you recall, we extended him through twenty twenty two, um, after last uh, last year's off season, and so Vic Schaefer, when your team's kind of struggling to find their hit their stride a little bit and t- against a team they should really really beat, instead of scrambling around and searching for answers or trying to just pound it in and just do things better that th- do things better that we do, you know, do what we do better, just be better. He makes a schematic change that completely annihilates any game plan that Vanderbilt had and left them just floundering. Like I said, he switches to a zone defense, which is not something he does a lot, and Vanderbilt scores two points the rest of the game. And, I mean, pretty much the last eight minutes of the game, they were completely inept. Mississippi State would go on to score 22 points and win that game, what looked pretty handily. It did not look like that that was in hand very much until the end of the game. Um, We got off to a quick early lead in the fourth quarter, and then – or excuse me, early in the first quarter, and then we had to have that big rally to finish. Jessica Carter scored 22 points. Um, coming off a game in South Carolina, where she barely scored at all, she's been a mo- the same, you know, kind of a monster that she's been since then. Uh, 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 and again, in all the games, the both games since then, she's been just dominant the way we were used to her being. Somebody commented that they don't think we have a ton of paint scoring, and I think, I guess outside of Jessica Carter, that could be the case, but I don't really see it. I see a lot of layups from this team. I see a lot of fast break points. Um, we could do better with her free throws, but Jessica Carter is an, a 20-point double-double machine. Um, she only had seven rebounds against Vanderbilt, 
But uh, that's again, that's not usually she's going to have a little bit more than that. Aliyah Mathara has scored 14 off the bench. She is an absolute dynamo for us as a freshman. I'm very very excited for what she's got uh, going to do for us um, in the future. Knowing that she's you know still just a freshman and it's not even like not even the 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 marquee freshman of the class. So that that's that would be Rakia Jackson. She's been a little bit gimpy, by the way, lately, but she played limited minutes but still being very productive. She had uh, – Rakia Jackson had eight points on four of ten shooting against Vanderbilt. Then we play Ole Miss. Ole Miss is the uh, absolute scum um, – I, I, I'm not going to be derogatory with this. They're just the, – they're last place in SEC. Seven and 13 overall record. Absolutely abysmal. Um, they scored single-digit – points in every single quarter except the fourth when we pulled out all our starters by and had like third string in against them Sunday. They actually outscored us in the fourth quarter. Uh we scored outscored them thirty to six in the first quarter. The leaving their leading scorer had, had eleven points. Jessica Carter checked out when the fourth quarter started with more points than Ole Miss's team combined. Jessica Carter had twenty four points, uh was ten of fourteen shooting, which is just phenomenal. Um had a great crowd for that Sunday game. A great, great crowd. We didn't have to uh we didn't have to didn't have to like really what what's the word I'm looking for here? Just because we knew it was a game that was gonna be in hand, it was a game that wasn't gonna we weren't gonna be challenged. We still showed up, but I guess because it's Ole Miss, but also just because how much we love our women's program. Even a game that we're supposed to win, we can go out there and really, really show up as a crowd. So, uh, again, we had lots of scores um, scores in that game. Rakia Jackson actually came off the bench in that game and scored 12. She did not play until the second half. was The first half, excuse me, was almost over. Still scored 12 points. Very efficient night for her. Ali Matharu had 11 points again. And those three double-digit figures, uh, three she scored double digits in a, three games in a row, and that led her to be, being the, named the SEC Freshman of the Week uh, last week or this week. And so, again, just a dominant performance over Ole Miss, which has become the norm for us over them. You know, they're, I don't think they're, they're a long, long way away from ever hoping to catch up to us. And I don't think – I don't see in the foreseeable future uh, them being able to beat us at all. They only got seven scholarship players on the team. They're just in a bad way in women's basketball. To not, through, through their own fault that some of those recruiting violations, of course uh, – were stemmed from women's basketball. That's how the whole big fiasco got uncovered was through women's basketball. But of course, they're not you know quite as quickly to try to put that back together as they are football, just because of the revenue that's involved. Um, the second worst team in the SEC is Auburn, and we will play them Thursday at the Hump. So uh, that'll be on the SEC Network Plus. If you want to watch that on your app, you can pack uh, pop your popcorn and sit down and watch that, or just come out to the game. Again, just because it's the game we're supposed to win doesn't mean we shouldn't support our ladies. Moving on to the men's side of things, of course, most of you probably know by now, the men got an absolute monster win last night in Gainesville. If you're talking about the men, last time we spoke, they had just crushed Georgia. They were about to play Arkansas. We had a game against Arkansas Wednesday. That's a that's another Quadrant 1-ish. It ended up being a Quadrant 2 win, but Arkansas can jump up a little bit. It might be a Quadrant 1 win at this point, actually. Um and I'm not going to explain all the net rankings if you don't know what the different uh how the quadrants work. Basically, you know, hard the harder the game, the higher the quadrant, and the higher the quadrant, the better the win. That's all I'm gonna say about that. Um it has to do with home and away as well as your opponent. Arkansas, we beat them at home 70, 77 to 70. It's hard to say. 
77 to 70. That was a great game. We re, uh, Some of the game, I felt like we weren't rebounding as hard as we could have, but actually the hustle overall was phenomenal. Reggie Perry um, absolutely feasted. He shot a lot of free throws and shot very, very well from uh, from the charity stripe and has done so throughout SEC play. I'm very impressed with his free throw shooting. But uh, we have not been able to really close out some of these games, and but we're starting to. You know, we close, we, we close out that game, led most of the way, didn't let them get back in it. Uh, and Reggie Perry had another dominant performance, set his career high with 26 points. Um, as con- it was a conference career high. Now, on um, against Oklahoma Saturday in the SEC Big 12 Challenge, we lose Reggie Perry. He has four fouls. He actually enters with nine minutes uh, left in the in the uh, left in the ha- in the sec- second half. Does not foul out, but was limited throughout the entire first half. He got some quick, quick fouls, and so replay with it mostly without Reggie. Come back from way behind, take the lead a couple times in that game. End up losing sixty three to sixty two. And if you have a timeout there at the end to use, you might win that game. Come away with a win and draw it something better than what we got at the buzzer. But uh, that was a crushing loss. Not because the loss hurts us, but because the win would have helped us so much, and it was right there. It was absolutely right there. We did up until that point. We still, and at that point, we still did not have any quality wins that's going to help us get into the tournament. Tur- tournament. And what was going to keep us from the tournament wasn't the games that we lost. It was the games that we haven't won. I know that doesn't really make sense because if you didn't win, obviously you lost. But losing on the road at LSU is not bad. Losing on the road by LSU at, by one point might actually make you bump up. But the fact that you could have won that game, which would make you, which would give you a huge boost, is what stinks. And the same thing in this case with Oklahoma. But a game that I told all of you guys, you know, go ahead and chalk this one up. And I was a little bit negative, and I've tr- I've always been an optimist, but I'm trying to be more of a realist so that I can be more accurate. You know, I did predict our football team would go nine and three this year. Now I don't think anybody saw us going six and six. That was reasonable, but things happen. But trying to be more realistic, didn't think we were going to be able to pull it out in Gainesville because we haven't done so since 2008. In the first half, we're down 16 points. I'm looking at when I first checked the score was at the worst point of the game. It was 36 to 20. I was like, dang, look at us. But we go down there and win. We come back in the second half with an absolute dominant, dominant defensive performance. I mean, we held, we held throughout the whole game. I'm going to get the stats right here. We held Florida to Let's go to team stats. Florida only shot 44%, but in the second half, it was like 20-something percent. The first half was way better. Um, we shot 53% on the night, and I'm going to go back to our just our shooting splits as a team. Team shooting splits, very important stat. And by splits, that means you know free throw, three-point, uh, an actual percentage. Our team shooting splits, we shoot 53% from, uh, from two. 58% from three. We shot seven for 12. That's our best shooting night percentage-wise by far from three. Reggie Perry went three for three from the line, from from behind the line, excuse me, behind the arc. Um, Nick Weatherspoon made a three, and Rod, Robert Woodard made two. Um, Tyson Carter made one. Um, and then great from the free throw line, 15 for 17 from the free throw line. Those are the kinds of things that are just you're just going to have to have to win SEC games on the road. That's just it. We don't do any of those things. You know, we make if we shoot five for twelve from three. We probably don't win that. We might not win this game on the road. We won by seven, seventy eight to seventy one. But that just changes the complexity of the game. And five for twelve from three is not a bad percentage. But that's just what you're going to have to do to win these games. And we got down there and done it. And again, in the second half, Florida could not get anything. A lot of calls went Florida's way, but other than that. 
they weren't getting good looks. Florida um, did not make a three in the second half at all. Uh, they made several in the first half, but they weren't able to. I don't. They weren't really able to figure out our defense, which I don't know if it was a lot of adjustments made. I did not get to watch most of the first half, if I'm being honest. I got to see. I, I was at a. I was at a restaurant, had a meeting, but I could kind of see it going on in the corner of the of the t- of the restaurant. I don't think we just did a lot of things different. I think we just upped the intensity, really turned it on, really showed now, really showed me that a we have one of the best rosters in the SEC. B that we can we can finish games. We didn't finish against LSU. We didn't finish against Oklahoma, but we can finish games. We didn't finish against Auburn. We can finish games, and that Reggie Perry, who had his new career high with twenty seven points, is the probably the best player in the SEC, like we thought he could be. He's just, I I think he's a he's a Joe, Joe Rothstein who's a big college basketball guy uh, on on social media. All he does is cover college basketball. Doesn't cover anything else. He's thinking All-American when he thinks Reggie Perry. He, he tweeted that out last night. Uh, also tweeted out how much he loves D.J. Stewart's game. D.J. Stewart's been phenomenal for us on the drive as a as a hustle guy. He's not the best shooter yet, but as a hustle guy and able, able to slash and as a cutter is being phenomenal. He uh, hustles, gets rebounds, plays good defense. Glad that he's on our team as a freshman, as a redshirt freshman. So uh, that's the state of things. If you're a men's basketball kind of guy, I'm thinking now I'm kind of thinking with this quality win – Maybe still a 40 to 50% chance you make the tournament. If you go look throughout the rest of the schedule, huge home game Saturday afternoon against Tennessee. That's one we've got to win, and that's one I think we will win. I think the crowd is going to be a huge factor in that game, being a Saturday afternoon game, being a blackout game, which I personally love. We're 5-0 in our black uniforms as the men. They're probably not going to take those off the rest of the season if they can help it. Um, we get to go to Tennessee. Uh, excuse me, we get to host Tennessee this weekend. Like I said, I think we'll win that game. Tuesday, a week from yesterday, we go to Kentucky. That's, of course, not a great look for – not a great time for anybody um, going to to Kentucky. But I think you come away with a less than 10-point loss or a win there, and you're in pretty good shape for this tournament. Because, um, again, you go to Kentucky, you're really trying to just show that you can hang with them in this this season and most seasons usually. But, again, after that win at Florida, I'm not saying we can't win at Kentucky because we won Florida, and if not for the ba- a really, really bad start, we would have won by a lot. Uh, then we host uh, Vanderbilt. I think we host. Let me double, ch- double check. We do host Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt's probably the worst team that you see right now, right around where Ole Miss is at. They, uh, they're, they've lost – let's see. I don't think they've won a conference game, actually. Let's Let's try that. Let's click on standings and see where they're at. Vanderbilt has not won a conference game. In fact, I don't think they won a single conference game last year either. Uh, you really hate to see that as just as an SEC program, have teams that kind of just make your conference look worse, especially teams. You know, Vanderbilt made the tournament two years in a row about four or five years ago, and now look at them. It's just kind of kind of embarrassing. Hopefully, they'll get that program turned around. But, again, Vanderbilt and in Starkville, that's – as close to an automatic win as you could possibly get in a conference game, which it's still not, but still. Then we go to Ole Miss. Ole Miss is 10-10. and 10. That's a game we should absolutely win. I don't care where it's at. If we lose, it's because it's something really funny because it's freaking Ole Miss and stuff happens. We have to go to Arkansas. That's not likely to go in our favor, but it very well could after we've already beat them by seven. They're going to want revenge on their mind. They're very, very mad about uh, – they, they're very, very butthurt about Reggie Perry. That's all I can say about that. We get to host South Carolina after that. Then we play Texas A&M. Texas A&M is pretty good. They're te- oh, I say that. That's, that's, I'm getting them confused with the women. Texas A&M is not very good. 
We have to go to College Station, and ESPN gives us an 80% chance to win that game because Texas A&M is not very good. Alabama comes here, and we've got a bone to pick with Alabama. They look like a really, really good basketball team, a decent team, which nobody really expected. But they gave us a butt whooping that we should never take ever in any game as a basketball team uh, earlier this year. We get to travel to Missouri after that. We beat them, absolutely beat the tar out of them in Starkville. Hopefully we can do something similar in in uh, Columbia. We get to go to South Carolina and then host Ole Miss for the last game of the year. So if you're looking at these games, there's two games we're not favored. Two. Let me double check that. Yeah, there's two games we're not favored. That's incredible. You All you have to do at this point is go chalk. Think about this now. You go chalk and you've lost you've lost five SEC games out of 18. You're 13 and 5. That's tournament. That's tournament. We've absolutely turned this turned this team around as much as we possibly could have at this point. We've won four conference games in a row. That's tournament. You lose you mess around and lose one of these games and end up being 12 and 6. One of these favorite games you're supposed to win. That's tournament. You do that and pull an upset, or you just pull an upset and, and still win the games you're supposed to win. All of a sudden, we can start talking about seeding. You know where are we where are we at? Where are we going to be located at in our uh, is amongst the other teams in the seeding kind of thing? We're not trying to get in; we're trying to get a good spot. So that's really really cool. I think uh, again, probably um, you know I said earlier maybe 50 percent chance. I'm kind of thinking more towards that fifty to sixty. We'll see. Try not to be too much of an optimist. Try not to be too much of a Pollyanna there. But uh, we're going to move on now and talk about football. One thing I want to say about football, before we even get started, because we got a new defensive coordinator. We haven't got to talk to you all about that yet. Our strength and conditioning coach, so far the early returns on that are absolutely phenomenal. The early returns on strength and conditioning right now, <clears throat> pardon me, is going to be the fact that our players' Twitter and Instagrams, all their little social media updates are just loaded with good, good-hearted complaints about how tough the strength and conditioning is. Tyler Williams says, "I feel like uh, they're doing to us what McGregor did to Cowboy <laughs> in the in the UFC fight a couple weeks ago." Um, you've got Kylan Hill jokingly saying, man, I should have went to the NFL. This is crazy. That's what you want to hear. They're not. First of all, they're not complaining in a way that makes you think that they're ungrateful. It's all good-hearted. But they are absolutely feeling it, and that's how they want to be. We have not had a tough football, especially this year, guys. We didn't have a tough football team. And I hate to say that because Mississippi State's always been that way as long as I've been alive. Mississippi State has, even if they weren't good, they were tough. That's just the way Bulldogs play football. That's, that's what a Bulldog is. I think the where that starts is strength and conditioning, and it's going to get better because of our new coach, uh, Tyson Brown, who's just doing an outstanding job. Uh, brought over from Washington State. Um, he's You watch that video, he's kind of that 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 controlled crazy. You know, he kind of got that look in his eyes. That's what you got to have from a strength and conditioning coach. Um, of course, we're going to talk about our defensive coordinator, Zach Arnett. Zach Arnett from... The University of San, oh, excuse me, San Diego State University, he actually, this is incredible, guys, was reportedly hired by Syracuse on January 11th. Excuse me, I'm, that date's wrong. It was 11 days after he was hired from Syracuse in January. Hired by Syracuse, doesn't sign a contract. 
hired away by Mississippi State less than two weeks later. So basically, Mississippi State hires a sitting defensive coordinator and a sitting head coach away, each from Power 5 programs. That's outstanding. We're willing to swing big, take a, take big chances to go after big fish, and that's something that you're going to have to put that investment factor you're going to have to up that investment factor, I should say, and put, you know, the money you're willing to spend and up the time you're willing to put in and up the commitment you're going to make to football if you're going to, you know, someday compete with some of these programs like Alabama and LSU and stuff like that. Um, and, again, they might be uncatchable at this point anyway, but, but you know, we, we might have said the same thing about UConn and Tennessee and women's basketball and look what we were doing there. So, we – uh. Again, going back to Will Arnett, uh, excuse me, Zach Arnett. Zach Arnett led one of the top rushing defenses, like I said, um, like I've, I think of has probably been discussed and beat to death. Led the top rushing defense in all of football. He runs a three three five, which is kind of odd because so so three three five is unique. But there's three down linemen, three linebackers, and five defensive backs. And you think that with with you know, you've got only three guys up front that your rushing defense would be kind of your weakness, but not only is the defense he, that he's had strong overall, extremely strong overall, but uh, its strength is, is the way it stops the run. They force turnovers. They get a lot of interceptions, a ton of interceptions, and they stop the run. They uh, t- get tackles for loss. They don't give up points. Uh, his defense gave up 12.7 points in 2019, did Zach Arnett's at uh, San Diego State. That was second place. Um. So you second place to only Georgia, so you've got you've got a unique defense that, like I said, you would think that it was heartbeat would be kind of weak against the run, but that's not the case. These linebackers, and these defensive backs, fly around the field and make tackles. It's aggressive, and uh, it's hard to prepare for. So what you've got, okay, you've got Zach Arnett calling defense that nobody ever has seen in the SEC West since really in the SEC at all since we ran it in nineteen ninety eight. Actually, we ran a three three five defense. Um. And the years after that, you've got an offense that nobody's seen before, not in earnest with this air raid scheme, because, you know, uh, LSU ran the air raid scheme this year, I guess you could say, but really it's just they had such great athletes at receiver and, a, and a, such a great quarterback that they can just throw it wherever they wanted. It wasn't so much that the offense was predicated on just airing it out constantly. That's what this, this thing is going to be. We're going to be throwing the ball everywhere. Even more, I'll say this, LSU is an air raid scheme, but not even to the extent that ours is going to be next year and probably even more so the years after that. Um, it's gonna We're going to be such a difficult team to prepare for that I think it's just, we're, there's a good chance, I think we can get an upset this year. Maybe, I would like to see us not, you know, if we just kind of win the chalk games, I really feel like we're in great shape next year. But if we can pull an, even if we lose a game that we may maybe should or shouldn't win, if we can get an upset next year, how does that make you feel compared to just the last two years what we've done? Because, you know, we in two thousand eighteen we beat Texas A and M and Auburn while they're in here, and a lot of people had that as like upsets, quote unquote. But really, we didn't really feel like we were going to lose those games. I didn't at least. I kind of knew. I did a lot of research on both of those teams and thought well, we could win both of them, but uh, it wasn't surprised when we did. But and really, other since the, like the two thousand sixteen team, when was the last time we just had a big upset? You know, we really haven't. Uh, two thousand seventeen, I guess. 
I mean, in 2016, we, we beat Texas a and was number four when they came in here. We beat Ole Miss badly when we really should have won that game in Oxford. If, if you looked at the – we should have won that game. I mean, you don't win a game by 35 that you shouldn't have won. But the, on paper, it looked like we, we shouldn't have. So, I, that being said, I say all that to say, with this confusing type schemes, you know, you're going to sneak up on somebody like that at some point. Um. You've probably been stat statted to death with this with Zach Arnett. I'm just gonna put out some things, you know. Team that's like fourth in interceptions, fourth and first downs in the country, it's tied for second second in points, first in rushing yards, um, top t- top ten and top five in so many categories over the last two years where he's been defensive coordinator. He's gonna be a big time defensive coordinator. He's a young guy, he's up and coming, re entering the prime of his coaching career. Which is kind of what I wanted. I don't know if I said it on the show or not, but I wanted. I didn't want somebody who was on the decline, or somebody who has already peaked. I want somebody that can aspire to bigger and better things that has reason to stick around, and he has reason to stick around because of the deep pockets John Cohen has given this athletic department to pay for football assistants and football head coaches. Uh, so hopefully that works out. I'd love to see him stick around for more than one year. Love to see the defense go really well. Um, we've already talked about how Errol Thompson will be back next year. That's huge uh, for that defense, and I'd like to see – I'm excited to see some of these changes. You know, we had some depth issues at defensive tackle and defensive uh, end, mostly defensive tackle, though, this season. I wonder running a three three five how we could mitigate that. You know, I don't know if we got the linebacker depth maybe to run that this year. Maybe we do. I feel like we'd be all right. If Willie Gay wasn't injured, we certainly would. But uh, – or excuse me, injured, suspended. But – um. I would have loved to see us kind of run with three down linemen this year because we were so thin at tackle. We would have kept kept some fresher bodies in there. Um, moving on to some other football-related things, of course. Um, K.J. Costello took a visit this week, and before he took his visit, he was 100% crystal ball to Mississippi State. K.J. Costello is a graduate transfer quarterback from Stanford. He threw for over 6,000 yards at Stanford. He is a pocket passer. He in a Power Five program. He's different from Tommy Stevens as a starter in a Power Five program. He's been proven successful. Okay. Now he also has taken a visit this week to Washington, and now he's like one one guy two four seven sports has him to Washington. One guy has him to us. If you ask me, I'm not sure that one year of KJ Costello, who is a great quarterback, I think would would do would would probably could probably put us. Really, really, really thinking about an eight or eight or better win season here. If you have KJ Costello this year, um, I don't know if one year KJ Costello is worth losing Garrett Schrader. So I don't I, for three years. So here's the thing: last year with the Keaton Thompson thing, I was like, Tommy, one year of Tommy Stevens might be worth a year or two of Keaton. I was thinking that that was different. This year, I don't think you've got three years left with Garrett. I don't think. KJ Costello is worth three years of Garrett. So if KJ comes, I hope it's let's redshirt Garrett. Let's get two years, uh, three years out of him anyway. Let's uh, make sure that he's going to stay. Let's talk with him, make sure he's going to stay and not pull the trigger on this if he's going to leave. Now, Mike Leach might not be thinking that way. Mike Leach might have saw the game film and, and looked at Garrett in practice or some kind of, I don't know, they can't really do practice. I don't know if he can watch him throw the ball or not. I don't think he can. But Mike Leach might not like what he sees in Garrett Schrader. I hope that's not the case because I feel like Garrett Schrader is a winner. Um, I feel like he's a winner and there's definitely no doubt about it. Maybe he doesn't fit Mike Leach's system. I bet he does because I think he can throw the football. But maybe Mike Leach doesn't feel that way and maybe uh, 
maybe he is doesn't see Garrett as the guy, but he no matter what, Garrett is super talented and he's a winner. Also, if you have KJ Costello this year and Garrett does redshirt, now all of a sudden you've got Will Rogers, who's who's Mike Leach is Mike Leach's guy. It's Mike Leach recruited Will Rogers, Washington State. You've got Will Rogers and Garrett Schrader that are only one year separated as uh as players. So like for example, if they both redshirted next year, okay, then there would only be one year difference between the two, which means that Will Rogers, if Garrett Schrader was a starter the rest of his career, Will Rogers would only play one year. That doesn't sit right, sit good with me either. I'd like to get two years at least out of Will Roger Will Rogers simply because I know he wants to play their quarterbacks. They want to play. I know Garrett Schrader wants to play. So now again, the KJ Costello thing, it was looking like dang, this is a done deal. Now it's kind of iffy, which is a way a lot of things have been going with us because we thought we we had a. Navy's, we thought for sure we had Brian, uh, Navy's defensive coordinator. We thought for sure we had Joe Judge as a football coach. And now we thought for sure we had a transfer quarterback. And all three are kind of up in the wind right now. Um, there are other transfers. Of course, we got Scott Lashley, a uh, backup offensive lineman who is about to be a senior from Alabama. He's originally from West Point. And I was telling some people, you know, somebody's like, man, this is not a program changer. It's a, it's a backup from Alabama. He only played like 50 or 60 snaps a year. Guys, First of all, we could do a lot better than Alabama's leftovers, especially at the offensive line and position, at the wide receiver positions and the D-line positions. Bama's leftovers is not nothing to sneeze at, first of all. Sorry. And that's not to say that he has leftovers, and that's a very derogatory way to put it. But I'm just saying, I don't want y'all to say, oh, he's only getting 50 snaps a year, but at Bama. I mean, 50 snaps a year at Bama is every single down at Ole Miss, if we're being honest, if we're looking at the talent that they have at some of, at their offensive line right now. Um, it's every single snap at Vanderbilt, you know. I mean, goodness. Uh, but we've got that. We've they they've got a cornerback that recently hit the transfer market that we're kind of looking at. I, we say he they're both from Mississippi. Anyway, the Scott Lashley guy is and is and he hasn't rolled. So lots of big things going on with like still trying to fill out those last couple scholarships. Coach has already coach visited a, a high school offensive lineman today. Um, there's still a couple spots that could be filled up, and we've had uh, I think there's maybe four roster spots left, something like that. So we're working on getting all those things filled. Um, let's see. I mentioned the strength and conditioning program, which is out absolutely outstanding. I'm so thrilled about that. Um, Chase Bryce is that his name? Usually I'd have Gavin here. Gavin and I, Gavin mentioned this to me. And I have to see what this dude's name is. Um, there's another quarterback that gave us a look. Transfer. This isn't it. What's his name? Yeah, it is Chase Bryce from Clemson. Chase Bryce. That's his name. Chase Bryce Clemson. Yeah, Chase Bryce. He's transferring from Clemson. Okay? And so... He's sniffing schools like Mississippi State and stuff like that. Chase Bryce, if y'all remember, right when they lost Kelly Bryant in 2018 and then Trevor Lawrence suffered a concussion that same game, they were down by a couple scores to Syracuse and Chase Bryce kept them in it and they ended up winning the game. That's how that's your memory of Chase Bryce. He's wanting to transfer out of Clemson. And so that's another fit that we might have. Again, these transfer quarterbacks that are not playing but, but, are, but are behind superstars – Joe Burrow's transfer because of Dwayne Haskins. 
And Dwayne Haskins was phenomenal and I think was invited to New York for the Heisman ceremony. But Dwayne Haskins, as far as college career, will be a footnote compared to Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow was his backup. That's just how this is going to work. I mean, things that crazy, th- crazy things have happened. That we could again, we could do a lot better than the backup quarterback at Clemson, where Trevor Lawrence is a quarterback. So, uh, I don't know anything about. Pre- he doesn't have like a, a prediction where he's going yet that I trust at least. He's but he is you know getting out of here. No predictions at this time. So, we'll see. Uh, again, we've got a, our our straws and a lot of drinks right now. But we've got, but that's a good thing. We've got, st- we've got bigger and better things that we can worry about with this football program than just, you know, these last three roster spots. But it's good that we're doing our due diligence, trying to fill these spots with some of these, with the positions of need, especially. We address offensive line. That's a huge, that was a huge need. We needed at least one kind of stopgap guy at offensive line, and we got it. So, uh, that's fantastic. Um, I guess other than you know. We're ready for baseball. We've got several preseason All-Americans. I think J.T. Gibb was named a preseason first-team All-American by one publication. Uh, Foskey, Westberg, Rowdy Jordan, and J.T. Gibb are all at least third-team All-Americans by just about every publication. Um, and J.T. Gibb's usually second or first. You've also got uh, you've got the polls. We're, we're anywhere between 6th and 10th. D1 Baseball is my favorite. Actually has us 10th, which is kind of disappointing that they're 10th. We're, that's our lowest. Nobody has us behind 10th, but some of us have us 6th. Some of us has it uh, 9th. You know, it's just all around that there. One team ran a one, – one publication has a computer program that ran, ran a simulation, and they had us going 50 and 6th and winning the national championship today. So that's good. I mean, I don't really know how much stock I put in computer simulations, but – I'd rather one say I'd rather one say we were gonna win than say we were gonna lose weren't gonna win, right? So again, we're excited about baseball. Come out to the dude on February fourteenth. But before then, come support your Bulldogs, come support your men on Saturday and your women on Sunday. You got to do it. Okay? They're just oh excuse me, men on Saturday and women on Thursday. I don't know what I'm thinking. Women on Thursday, men on Saturday. That men's game that men's game is going to be on ESPNU. The women's game will be on the SEC Network Plus, which means you need to watch it on the app. But, uh, again, we're, we've got bigger and better things going on. Um, we've got big big things going on before baseball season starts. I wouldn't say better. we got big things going on before uh, baseball season starts, even though we're all really excited about baseball here in a couple of weeks. Um, one last thing, you know, with this – absolutely devastating news of the uh, passing of Kobe Bryant. Um, I can't even imagine, you know, I can't even fathom what could possibly be going on for that family. And I mean, I'm not even a huge like Lakers fan or anything like that, but this makes me, I don't know. The emotions this makes me feel are just kind of bizarre. I don't even understand how this this is just somebody that you're not supposed to lose. Like you don't incredibly healthy, incredibly good person, great person, great family, an icon. I mean, the epitome of an icon is what I'm trying to say. Like, there's no, there is no by far, if there ever has been. Okay, he is definitely currently the most famous retired basketball player. And it's more famous than just about just about every NBA player now. I mean, 
the dude as a retiree has an Oscar and is a huge like multi like hundreds of millions of dollars as an investor he's earned and redist you know donated to charity and philanthropy and made a short film and all that. Uh, we just stay great job of staying in the spotlight in a respectful and just positive way after he retired. And so this just is, just comes as a huge shock, and I just don't really know. Don't really know. Doesn't you know? It's hard to make sense of these things, and of course, there's all these cliches everybody's been saying. But really, guys, hug your family, hug your friends, tell them you tell people you love them. Look, I don't I don't know if you're one of those people that like to really say I love you, but like my friends and I mean we we usually tell each tell each other these things like Hey, I love you, bro, or or my or sis or whatever. Because it's important that they know that. Because sometimes we feel those emotions with people we don't feel like we need we are able to express it. And maybe verbally isn't the way that you express things. Maybe there's there's you know, you're more physical or you're more with the way that you treat people or how you do things for them that you express that you love them. But either way, don't be scared to express that however you feel comfortable because people need to know that. Because life is precious. It doesn't always go our way in life, but it is still precious and it's what we've got. And it can be taken away just like that. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. Vic Schaefer said we're only guaranteed today. With that being said, best of luck, whatever you've got going on in your life. Praise the Lord and go dogs. And, of course, hail state.